Welcome to another edition of San Joaquin Spotlight. This is a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Comcast 93, and AT&T 99 in the Fresno and Clovis area. We're also broadcasting on uh, Talk Radio 1550 KX EX in Central California, and we're on the World Wide Web. We're on Anchor FM, which is a product of Spotify. Our guest this week is a journalist, and I've been following her writing for some time now. She's a very passionate writer, and she likes to to educate her audience members about various topics. Uzai Bulut. Did I get that right, Uzai? Yes, exactly. Uzai is a Turkish writer, and uh, she doesn't live in Turkey, though, and we're excited to have her. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having me. So first, let's talk a little bit about your background. And so you were born in Turkey or or tell us about yourself. I was born in Turkey, in northern Turkey, on the Black Sea shore. Its historic name is Pontos. So I was born in that region and grew up there and studied in Turkey. I left Turkey about seven years ago. And I've been a journalist for about nine years now. Yeah. And I've been living outside of Turkey for the past seven years. And as a journalist, so like, you know, with this radio show, I write stuff in the newspaper, I do this show, and I can say things about the government or various topics in a country like the U.S. because of freedom of speech. Now, I've heard that in mm-hmm. Turkey, it's a little different. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it Can you, as a journalist, comfortably write? in Turkey? No, you can't. It, it is so different from the press freedom situation in the United States. I mean, you can write against the government or against any state institution in Turkey, but there will be consequences. And those consequences include getting arrested. You could get arrested. You could be dismissed from your job. You could be physically attacked or even killed. Um, there are so many risks of speaking up your mind in Turkey. And especially if you do that as a journalist, it's even more dangerous and difficult. And as you also know, Turkey is now the number one jailer of journalists in the world. So it's it's really not a good place for journalists and for dissenting people. And, you know, w- one of the things that... So I follow Turkey closely. My great-grandparents are from there. My grandpa's from there. And, uh, you know, the Armenian genocide caused them to move and you've written about it and i'm so impressed that you have have written about this topic because you know i'll talk about the elephant in room in the room there are not a lot of turkish journalists who are brave enough to say the armenian genocide has happened and i will tell you that you know as an armenian american i know that turks and armenians live together for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years so I know that there are a lot of wonderful Turkish people, but I, I, the government, I think, is the one that kind of says, hey, don't talk about these things. You tell us. First, the government is the main one that is responsible for the denial of the genocide. But unfortunately, the academia, the media, the mainstream media, and much of the public has also... Uh, being part of this denial. They've been willingly participating in this denialist mechanism in Turkey. 
I read about the Armenian genocide because I, I, when I was a child, I had no idea when I was younger because, you know, we, we are taught just lies about Armenians and their genocide in schools and in the media and everywhere else in Turkey. But then when I went to university and afterwards, I studied the history of the Armenian genocide and the horrible crimes committed against children, women, all those innocent people have touched my heart so much. And now what's going on in Artsakh for the past two years, I think it's the continuation of the same genocide. So Armenians are the indigenous people of Asia Minor and historic Armenia. So we, 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 as Turks, we need to respect them. We need to recognize their rights. We need to recognize their right to self-determination. Uh, you talk about the history of peaceful coexistence, but I don't agree with that a lot. Of course, we lived as neighbors, but you know, Armenians, Christians, Jews were also demis in the Ottoman Empire. So they were second class subjects. So they were persecuted and there was a lot of oppression against them. So all, all I'm trying to do is just learn about this history and how it affects the current affairs of Armenians and Artsakh and other Armenian communities and write about them, expose all those crimes committed against Armenians. I think it's our responsibility as human beings to, to seek truth and to tell, tell it to the world. And do you think, what I've noticed is there are a lot more Turkish journalists and Turkish individuals who have been vocal, not only just about the Armenians, but about the Greeks, about the Jews and the different minorities. And I'll tell you a story. The other day, I was talking to somebody on Skype inside of Turkey who was at my grandma's city. And so I thought, you know, the, the city where my grandma was from. And I thought, how cool is this that I'm talking to somebody who was there and and she actually wanted to see where the Armenians lived in. It's called the you you know this probably, but Eskishahir, the city. Oh, sure. So so she wanted to see where the historic Armenian area was. And and we're like when I was a kid, I never used to hear of Turkish journalists talking about this. But as I'm growing older, I have a lot of respect for people like you and journalists like you because you're taking a risk and i acknowledge that you're taking a risk because you know you could be easily shunned by the community for saying these things but you have this fire inside so tell us about that well it's it's not easy i i avoid going to turkey i haven't been to turkey for the past seven years because you know people just get arrested for for a twitter post you know for for just arbitrary ridiculous reasons so i don't want the same thing to happen to me so i don't go there and this is a price i'm paying but i think like i said especially for the past two years what is what turkey and azerbaijan have been doing to Artsakh and now armenia how can we stay silent i mean i i as a journalist and someone from turkey because the, my government is the perpetrator in this case I just need to speak out. It's it, yes, it's my passion. It's my um, it's who I am. You know, it's just I'm not on the ground, so my work relies on the work of my colleagues. But I interview people all the time. I I follow the Turkish and Azeri and Armenian and international media every day, and I do my best to report these things. So. What got you into journalism to begin with? I mean, what is it that because you've written for different magazines different publications 
Um, for a while, you were doing some work in Israel in preparation of this interview. I wanted to get to know you a little bit. So what what is it about journalism that that has got you to say, you know what, not only am I going to write about these other topics as well, but I'm going to be more vocal? I think I've been this way since I was a child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always been um, very interested in politics. I remember watching political debates on TV when I was little, when I was a child, and I, I would read newspapers every day, columns. I was fascinated by political columns and journalism and newspapers. So I had this passion in me for journalism and reporting. Uh, and then after university, I said, this is what I wanted want to do. So I did a master's degree on media and cultural studies. And I started uh, working as a reporter when I was in Ankara. And my first, uh, most of my first work focused on political prisoners in Turkey, Kurds. And then I learned about the Armenian genocide. Then I learned about Cyprus, the Turkish occupation of Cyprus. So the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn and write about it. And it's now, I'm on this path, which I could call the path of truth. And it's not easy, it's, you know, it's risky, but I keep going, you know, I, I hope to make a difference. So what, you know, what, what are some things that you're working on next and that we can, our audience members can follow you so that we read more of your writing? So are, are you working for a publication now? Or are you freelancing? What are you doing now? Uh, right. I've been writing for the Gatestone Institute for years now. I'm also a research uh, fellow for the Philos Project. You can check their website and you can also find some of my writings on the Providence magazine, providencemag.com. And I, I write for all these publications. And currently, I am working on the female Armenian soldiers that are that have been executed by Azerbaijan and Armenian uh, captives at the hands of Azerbaijan. You know, since the Artsakh War 2020, there are still still Armenian um, prisoners of war in Azerbaijan, and I'm trying to follow their cases, learn about you know learn their stories and write about them. These days, I'm working on this uh, story, and in general, I try to write about minorities in the Middle East, Yazidis and Greeks in Turkey and Armenians, Kurds, Jews and anti-Semitism, these issues. Um, so my next article will be about the female Armenian soldiers and prisoners of war that are tortured, that have been murdered. I think it's, it's, it's a topic that we need to pay attention to. So when if people want to be journalists, what advice would you give them? I mean, how do you know? So there's a as you know, the World Wide Web has so much information on it. Some are truthful, some are not truthful. Tell us a little bit about the research that you do before writing a topic, uh, because you can go down a path and then maybe find information that's not very true. And then you're like, OK, now I got to start over. Yes, I think studying the history of the area that we're trying to cover is so important. For example, Artsakh, for example, Armenia, okay. For example, um, Assyrians in Iraq and Syria. There are so many sources, but 
I don't think that the history of our talk is like rocket science. It's too complicated. No, I think it's very easy to understand. And we also need to speak with the locals, the indigenous people of the land who have been living there and their media. Of course, we have to study uh, the narratives of all sides. But I, during the Artsakh war, for example, the international media used this both sides, this narrative, both sides are attacking each other. It was extremely misleading and not truthful at all. So we need to, we need to um, be very careful about this. For example, ISIS genocide against Yazidis in Iraq in 2014. Can we say both sides attacked each other? No, ISIS were the perpetrators, Yazidis were the victims. So ISIS attacked, invaded Sinjar, killed thousands, kidnapped thousands, killed the elderly people, kidnapped young women. And this, how do we know that? Okay, the international media covered it. And also there are tons of eyewitnesses and uh, survivors of this genocide. And now they are either asylum seekers or refugees in the West. And they are writing and issuing reports about what happened in Sinjar in 2014. So we need to study the history extensively. We need to understand what's going on there. And we need to talk with the indigenous people, their journalists, their representatives. And then, uh, first of all, I also believe that um, if you are not very familiar with the history of a region, maybe it's better not to write about it. If you don't trust that, you won't be able to do an in-depth research on it. So studying history, talking with the people with an open mind. And for example, when I write about Artsakh, I check Azeri media all the time. I, I, I check because I understand the Azeri language as well. So of course we have to check all sources, but it doesn't mean that we will get lost. We will have an open mind, but also uh, studying history, understanding history and understanding the motivations, the motives of the perpetrators or of you know whoever is attacking. What are they saying? Just listen to them, listen to them and understand because Azeri officials, for example, are not hiding their intentions. They are screaming, they're shouting, from the rooftops what they want to achieve so just you know i think being a journalist is also being a researcher and do you know study history and try to understand the area its history people culture society very well that's what i'm trying to do and like i said for example if i say i'm gonna go cover a very far away region i might not be able to do that because i need time and maybe you have to know the language of the area. I don't know, but you know, just uh, being genuine and really wanting to understand, and without any agendas, any you know, just our only agenda, our only goal should be to seek the truth and write it. If we start from there, I think that we will do a good job as as journalists. You are listening to San Joaquin Spotlight, a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Comcast 93 and AT&T 99 in the Fresno and Clovis area of California. You're also listening to Talk Radio 1550 KXEX. That's on the AM dial in the Central Valley region of California. And we're on the World Wide Web on Spotify's Anchor FM. Our guest is Uzai Blut. Did I get that right, Uzai? Yes. And it, you know, in, in, in you know, looking up what that means, because all of our names uh, mean something, space cloud, right? Yes, it means space 
<laughs> it's a funny name. It's a very rare name in Turkey. You know? It's it's a and it's a cute name because like Sevag means black diamond or black stone. You know where can you find a black diamond? So you know a couple of things that you mentioned that I want to go back to. I I appreciate that you do your research before you write because what Armenian Americans and and really other European nations were saying is that Azerbaijan is attacking Armenia. But but President Aliyev at the time said no, we're we got, you know, we're these they were we're defending ourselves. But over the years and including 2 days ago, he said we started the war to take over this region. And I think it's interesting because Two years ago, he said the Armenians started it. And if you were a journalist two years ago and you wrote that the Armenians started the war, which many did, and yeah. now there's contrary, the person who started the war says, I started the war. Those journalists are already tainted, in my opinion, and they lost credibility. So it's interesting that, you know, you early on knew exactly who, what happened. Because I remember um, it was on the 27th of September, 2020, and it was about 5 a.m. in the morning. So Armenians were um, fast asleep when Azerbaijan started bombing them. And think about it. Azerbaijan is a powerful dictatorship. They have a powerful military. Turkey is a NATO member. Again, uh, the total population of those two nations is about 100 million. Armenia is a nation of 3 million people. So why would Armenia, this small genocide survivor state, attack Azerbaijan and Turkey? Why? I mean, there is no reason, there could be no reason for that. Um, do they want to, why would Armenia want a war with Turkey and Azerbaijan? So it just, you know, this, the fact that all these journalists write this, I mean, can't they think straight? It's, it's so obvious that Armenia is not the aggressor's side here. And it was Azerbaijan and Turkey from the very beginning. Azerbaijan started carpet bombing Artsakh. And we know that. I mean, and there were also a lot of citizen journalists on the ground. They were filming the bombings. And even, even a lot of news agencies went there and filmed the bombings. You know, the bombings of hospitals, churches, homes, residential areas. We know that. It's all about... Do you want to understand and do you want to write the truth? Or are you being intimidated by Azerbaijan or are you being bought by Azerbaijan? You know, it wasn't it wasn't so difficult to understand that Azerbaijan has was the aggressor from the very beginning. Well, you know, what is we have a lot of so Fresno, as we're sitting here, you know, I'm in West Fresno. Fresno, after the genocide, had a large population of Armenians come. And a lot of the grandkids and a lot of the children are still around. What message do you have for them? Because I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I said, you know, I'm going to interview a Turkish journalist. We're going to talk about various topics, including, you know, how hard journalism is. And some of them said, be careful because, you know, mm -hmm. you, you might be led down a path. And I said, no, no, no. I have followed her for a while. And, uh, you know, she's writes about these topics and and she's correct. What message do you have for the people listening to this interview who who say that, you know, journalism in Turkey inside Turkey is not honest journalism? Well, it's true to a large extent. When you look at the media in Turkey, um, 
the pro-government media is just during the war and still, for example, during the war against Arzak, they were just doing warmongering propaganda. And still, they are part of the um, genocide denialist um, machine in Turkey. So your friends and all those Armenians who criticize Turkey and the Turkish media is right. This is the, but there are also journalists in Turkey, many of whom are in jail or many of whom are being prosecuted. They, they try to be honest and they, they are brave and they are paying the price. But unfortunately, these people are acting in the minority. The West majority, imagine like um, the, the, the media in Turkey, both the opposition and the pro-government media targeted me, published articles about me calling me names such as a traitor, a foreign government spy, blah, blah, blah. All lies, all lies, you know, with no proof at all. So, yeah, journalism in Turkey, it's extremely dif difficult. You could get arrested anytime and you could spend years in jail. That's why I'm not visiting my own country and that's the surprise I'm paying. And I'm not happy with the situation. I miss, miss the place where I was born so much. But I... Um, what can I say to your audience or to the Armenians who are watching us? Well, I think, especially since the war started in Artsakh, just to, uh, I mean, now I know, for example, when I was studying the history of the Armenian genocide, I said, oh my God, this genocide lasted for years and the world didn't help them as much as they could. It was unbelievable to me, but now I know, with despite all the social media we have, despite all the awareness we have, the Armenians are unfortunately alone. And but thank God they are very brave people, both in the diaspora and on the ground. They are very brave, and they. I believe that the truth is on their side, so they will thrive. Eventually, they will thrive. I want to just a lot of our audience members listening to this broadcast are are not Armenian, but they they've heard my show, they've heard my story, so they kind of understand that that this genocide happened and something happened. But I want to just tell our audience members listening to us and watching us mm -hmm. the seriousness of someone like Uzay speaking out. I mean, when when we hear that she could be imprisoned if she was in Turkey. This is absolutely true. So I want our audience members to know that the courage of journalists like you is not, I mean, look, you said it yourself and I agree with you. Like you, if you went back to Turkey, you always have to watch your back because you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's listening. Do you, do you feel that way, whatever country you're in? Or or do you think yeah, that I, that's- I feel, I feel safe here i'm not in turkey i'm outside of turkey i'm in a civilized country and i feel safe here but you know all the verbal abuse and all the slandering articles and verbal attacks that i've been exposed to um it's not very nice you know so we are running out of time this week on the program uzai but I want to say on behalf of journalists, on behalf of authors, on behalf of radio personalities, on behalf of anybody seeking the truth, thank you for what you're doing 
And I mean that from the bottom of my heart because I, I follow what you've written. And it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy for you to say these things and and kind of a population of in Turkey kind of outcasts you. And it's not easy. And and I know that and many people know that. So first and foremost, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thank you for your kind words. Um, and and how can people follow you? How can people read more of what you're doing? How can people support you so that you know that you have a strong back behind you? Um, my articles are regularly published on the website of the Gaystone Institute and on the Providence Magazine. And sometimes I get published on the website of Christian Post and other publications. And I'm also on Twitter. And I'm also on the website of the Philos Project. So I would appreciate it if your audience could follow my work from those sources. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening and watching San Joaquin Spotlight, a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Comcast 93 and AT&T 99. Thank you to those watching us on that medium. Thank you also to those listening to Talk Radio 1550 KXCX and to those listening around the world on Anchor FM's Spotify median. Our guest this week has been journalist Uzai Bulut. Very cool name. I love her name because it means space cloud translated in <laughs> Turkish. Um, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for this edition of San Joaquin Spotlight. Tune in next week to a new edition. This program was made possible in part by FaceLogic Essential Skin Care and Spa in Clovis.